think of every pressure on the quarterback, you're buying a pull tab. Right? Pressures are good. Pull tabs are a blast. And if you buy enough of them, eventually you're going to win some money back. And if you pressure the quarterback enough times, eventually the sacks are going to come. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Really in my feels over the Brewers today. I'm having, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm fine, but I'm not, I'm not fine. I'm, I'm very sad today. I don't know why, just out of nowhere, I started thinking about the Brewers and not even losing to the Braves in the postseason. Those games have been put out of my mind so quickly, but thinking more about the regular season and all the fun games and the moments and the walk-offs, I don't know, just kind of my feels today. Think about the Brewers. Reading World Series previews and just kind of getting ready for that tonight. I'm like, I, uh, I really miss the Brewers, and I miss getting to talk about baseball every day. Mostly, and not to sound like Johnny Raincloud here, mostly because I haven't found this Packers season to be all that interesting so far. I was really interested and excited for this Thursday night game with the Cardinals because this is a test. This is going to teach us something. Show me something, baby. And I think the rest of NFL fandom was really excited about this game too. Two teams, top of the NFC. Now we start to really separate the men from the boys. And then Devontae Adams gets COVID and Joe Barry gets COVID. And now Alan Lazard is out, not because he has COVID, but because he was a close contact, and when you're not vaccinated, which Alan Lazard is not, that's why you have to miss time, even if you don't have it. Now, as I'm scrolling Twitter, people are tweeting about the Packers wide receivers. I think somebody else, well, they've activated Malik Taylor off the COVID list, but Alan Lazard is out. I'm not sure about MBS yet. I will keep looking i will try to find that this is the wisco sports show my name is grant bills thank the lord that mike clemens is going to join us at 5 30 this might be the most highly anticipated listened to coveted mike clemens report ever please hit us mike we need you today we need boots on the ground in green bay to tell us what the hell is going on because everybody's getting covid and the people who aren't getting covid aren't vaccinated then then they're uh Close contact. It looks like MVS is on IR. He's staying there, so they will be without him as well. They get Malik Taylor back, but not MVS. So the receiving core is going to be, well, let's see. Let's think about it. Equinemius St. Brown, nice. Uh, Amari Rogers, nice. Rookie Randall Cobb, nice. Um, Aaron Jones, kind of. Robert Tunyon, kind of. I wonder if Mercedes Lewis can line up wide. But yeah, Packers are without a bunch of guys, and I'm going to lean big time on Mike Clements when we talk to him at 5.30. So don't miss that part of the show, because there's someone who's actually in the know who is probably reporting and talking and doing important fact-finding missions right now in Green Bay. He'll join us at 5.30. You can follow him on Twitter and check out his work in the meantime, at Mike Clemens NFL. We'll talk a little bit about the World Series, just a tiny bit. I'm thinking right before 5 o'clock, but mostly talking about the Packers today. And we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers a little bit, who joined the McAfee Show. Not a ton, just a little bit. Just a healthy, just a a reasonable amount of Aaron Rodgers. Just a couple of minutes, catch up with our quarterback. And then I want to talk about the Cardinals game and what the heck they're going to do without just about their entire wide receiving core. You're welcome to chime in. 
yell at me, agree with me. I would prefer you to agree, but hey, it's a free country, free speech. I'm not going to silence or uh, tell anyone they're wrong unless they're wrong. So 608-796-2558, talking text line. You can follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant. On Tuesdays, we normally start by talking about the Monday night game for a couple of minutes, which, um, okay. So last night was Seahawks Saints. Geno Smith versus famous Jameis Flamis Winston. It's weird. I haven't fully adjusted to life without Drew Brees yet. I mean, I mentally, I'm, I'm very aware that Drew Brees has now moved on. He's not in the league anymore. And he's on TV. That that I've come to terms with. What I haven't come to terms with is that Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback of the Saints. Because when I turn on a Saints game, I, my mind immediately goes, oh, they're playing their backup. Oh, that's right. Jameis is their starter. Geno Smith, make no question about it. He is a he is a full backup. Not exactly a Hall of Fame level game last night. It's raining in Seattle. Jason Myers is missing kicks. The game's on ESPN, which is it's not a personal thing. It's just Steve Levy. I don't. I don't feel it. Brian Greasy, okay. I like Lewis Riddick a lot, but it's, it's like he's fired up on Adderall when he's doing a game. I like him in studio because he's relaxed and he's reasonable and rational and well thought out. But when you have to compress your takes and, and your thoughts into a high-paced, really high-flying, action-filled broadcast, you need to get it in there before the snap. It's like, dude, would you calm down? You're making me nervous, Lewis, okay? And we had the Manning cast last night, which was kind of fun. I actually watched that for a little bit, mostly because the game was so inconsequential. I wasn't too worried about missing important details. God, the Mannings are entertaining. I, I, would, I, would, I, would, watch more of, I would watch more of that. They had Tom Brady for a little bit, Marshawn Lynch. I don't even like Tom Brady, but I enjoyed hearing him talk about the game, tell stories, and be insightful. Don't make me admit it. I don't want to talk about it any more than we have to. Despite the loss, by the way, the Saints won. I don't know if anyone cares, and you probably watched. The Saints won 13-10. to Despite the loss, I find Seattle more interesting than New Orleans. And we talked about this last year. This was a take that we had last year, and we kind of, we kind of put it in the, in the cupboard. We haven't come back to it since. I think the Seahawks are on the exact same trajectory as the Packers were, really from 2016 to 2018. I think Seattle is going through the same paces that the Packers went through, I just think they're a couple of years behind, which makes sense because Russell Wilson was drafted, you know, well, actually quite a few years after Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, had to sit on the bench for a little bit. So the Seahawks were a couple of years behind the Packers in their, you know, progression as a franchise. Think about it. In 2018, Seattle goes 10-6, and six, lost in the wildcard game, Dallas. It's not exactly been a playoff juggernaut over the last 30 years. 2019, they go 11-5, and five, good regular season. Then they beat Philly in the postseason 7-9 to in what was a really ugly game. And Jadavian Clowney, who was playing for the Seahawks at the time, injured Carson Wentz, headhunted him, got him out of the game. So they beat a backup quarterback Eagles team 17-9. to Not exactly inspirational. Then they lost at Green Bay in the division round. Last year, they go 12-4. and Great regular season. And then they lose in the wild card round to the Rams, who were starting a backup quarterback. They're humming along okay, I suppose. They're making the playoffs. They're winning regular season games. But the playoff finishes, I mean, even their playoff wins the last couple of years have been underwhelming. And it's, you know, things perfect between head coach B. Carroll and offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Now it's, um, uh, what's his name? It's not Daryl Bevel. Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator. The relationship isn't great there with the, with the quarterback either. 
But that's normal for most franchises. I mean, there's always drama at some level between head coach, OC, quarterback, like Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger. That was a saga for years in Pittsburgh. That's normal for most franchises. Not going to fire Pete Carroll, right? Oh, we lost the wild card round a couple of times. Well, okay, whatever. We still got a great coach, still got a great quarterback. We're not going to blow it up. Well, until your star quarterback gets hurt, and then you start to pull back the curtain a little bit on what's actually going on with the franchise, and once Russell Wilson gets hurt, and you know my thoughts on Russell Wilson, but he's tremendous. That star quarterback gets hurt, and then you start to look around, and you're like, wait, uh, actually, our draft picks haven't developed at all. Haven't done a good job drafting. Haven't had a good job uh, developing. I'm looking at picks. 2017, they didn't have a first-round pick. Their second-round picks, Malik McDowell, Ethan Pochich, Shaq Griffin. Not really a stud in this draft class. 2018, our first running back was a huge reach. That was Rashad Penny. By the way, they're dying for running back production right now. Rashad Penny had six carries for nine yards last night. Will Disley is maybe their most productive player out of the 2018 draft class. Maybe Michael Dixon, their punter. He's pretty good. Their 2019 draft, I don't know any of these guys except for really DK Metcalf. That's about it. I guess Travis Homer, their sixth-round running back. Their 2020 draft, they took Jordan Brooks, who's... I don't want an off-ball linebacker in the first round. I don't like that. Then a bunch of offensive linemen that haven't become anything. DJ Dallas, another running back. Freddie Swain, who I guess returns kicks. And then last year, they had three draft picks. And they went wide receiver in the second round, who I haven't even noticed this year. Corner, tackle. It's just not It's not good. They haven't been developing good talent. And then you also start to realize once Russell, uh, I almost said Russell Westbrook, once Russell Wilson gets hurt, there isn't really much to their offense. They run the ball, run the ball. 11 times last night, Seattle ran into an eight-man box. One yard per carry in those runs. Just brutal. There's nothing there. It's not creative. There's nothing to it. They averaged minus .13 expected points added per play, EPA per play, on 26 carries last night. There's nothing there. There's just nothing good going on with this offense. And if you take away DK Metcalf's 84-yard catch and run, Geno Smith finishes game 5 for 11 for 26 yards. There's nothing there. And you start to realize that once the all-pro quarterback goes away. Once you lose your star quarterback that makes up for so many of these things and you actually look at what you have, okay, we have a GM that's not hitting on draft picks. We've traded away all of our high-level draft picks for guys like Jamal Adams who aren't that good. Our offensive coordinator and our head coach are really, really old-fashioned and our offense isn't any good. Um, Yeah. And isn't that what the Packers realized in 2018? The only difference between the Packers and the Seahawks is the Packers didn't trade away all their picks at the end of the McCarthy era to try to hold on which Seattle has done. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Pete Carroll's last year in Seattle. I said that last offseason. It's just coming to that point. The Packers and Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers came to that point. I think the Seahawks are doing the same thing with Russell Wilson and with Pete Carroll, but it even makes more sense in Seattle because Pete Carroll's a little bit more old-fashioned, even more so than McCarthy, and is a defensive-minded head coach. So he wants to run the ball. He wants to play conservative football, which is not what you do when you have Russell Wilson. At least the Packers didn't trade all their picks away for Jamal Adams to try to save the Mike McCarthy era. Speaking of the Packers, I want to pull a Colin Cowherd here and change topics. Let's shift to this. All right, let's shift to this. I'm going to start using that job. All right, let's shift to this. Let's shift to this. I'm sad about the Packers. They're 6-1. and one. They're playing really well. Sure, they're winning games. But I'm sad 
because I, I'm sure you've experienced this in your life where you look back at a period of time and you think, well, that didn't really turn out like I hoped. Wasn't all I, I thought it would maybe be. I think we do this every summer living in Wisconsin. In Minnesota, it's probably the same way where you come into April and May. Days are getting longer. Oh, yeah, the green is coming back. Some of that seasonal depression starts going away. It's a new year, new me. Oh, I can go outside. I can be active. I'm going to I'm gonna grow a vegetable garden this summer. I'm going to take a trip here. I'm going to do this, right? And then you get to the end of the summer, and you're like, man, I didn't do nearly all the things that I wanted to do. Did like 60% of the things, maybe. You're batting 500 with your summer plans by August, September. You're doing pretty good. And we get to September, and we look back, and we get sad. We listen to sad music, or at least that's what I always do. I have a playlist of songs that's about summer ending. The saddest subgenre of music I think that exists is the song that's written about the end of summer. I'm going to look at some over the commercial break. I'll share with you uh, my compilation in case you're a little moody and you want to you wanna feel worse. That's always the way I go about it. Um, if you're like me, I'll get you the playlist. I'll get, I'll get it over this break, right? Looking back at the first seven games of this Packers season, I'm underwhelmed. And I'm a little sad because none of these games really blow me away. I can't complain. The Packers are winning. They're 6-1. and one. They're going to win their division. But let's be real, Packers fans. We came into the season kind of expecting that. And I know Bears fans hear what I'm saying right now, and they're like, you're kidding me? We just got blown out 38-3 to on Sunday afternoon, and you're complaining because your team is 6-1, and one, but you just, eh, you're just not that on fire for your team. Well, yeah. Why am I the only one? that can view things through the lens of proper expectations. This Packers team was supposed to be very good. They're 6-1. and one. Look at their schedule so far, and look at how some of these teams have panned out. They should be 6-1. and one. Now, I think they should have beat the Saints, maybe should have lost to the Bengals, but absolutely should have beat the Lions, Niners, Steelers, Bears, football team. Absolutely, they should be 6-1. and one. Now, maybe the wins and losses are misplaced, but that's not the point, right? I'm looking back at this. I'm like, what do we, what do we have to hang our hat on? What do we have to really grab onto and say, yeah, that's the ticket right there. That's the game that shows us big time. It reminds me of 2019 when the Packers won games. Yeah, but you weren't blown away. They beat the Bears 10 to 3. The Vikings 21-16. The Broncos who had Joe Flacco. They won that game by 11. Not great. They lost to the Eagles at home on Thursday night. That game was a little bit of an outlier. They couldn't get a stop. They beat Dallas 34-24, but they led that game 31-3, and then they could do nothing. They beat Detroit despite not leading in the game at all. They won that game by one point. Now, Oakland was the one game all year that their offense actually hummed. They ran away with that game and looked really good, but Derek Carr fumbled the ball out of the end zone, and things really went south for the Raiders. They beat Kansas City, but no Patrick Mahomes. And then they got knocked around by the Chargers. They limped through the Panthers and then got tanked by the Niners. And that's when we kind of knew, okay, season might be a little bit of a might be a little bit of a, uh, a mirage. This team might be a little bit of a paper tiger. And week 12, when they played the Niners, that was the first real test. Our first test game is in two days on Thursday Night Football, and they're not going to have Adams, Bakhtiari, Jair. Preston Smith was limited today. Kevin King was limited today. No MBS, no Alan Lazard, no Josh Myers, most likely. I mean, this is lame. This is lame. This is supposed to be our big test. This is supposed to be our, our prove-it moment. And, of course, it's on Thursday Night Football. And, of course, no one's available. And, of course, Alan Lazard's not vaccinated, so he has to miss time just because he stood next to Devontae Adams for 30 seconds once upon a time, you know, you know, for five minutes after the game or whatever. You get my point. It sucks. It's a bummer. I'm frustrated about it. Now, hopefully the game will still be good. Coach up the guys you have. Football is very much a next-man-up sport in a way that baseball and basketball aren't. And I talked about this last week. 
when I was talking with Ebo on The Zone this morning, I chat with him every 7.40 or every Tuesday at 7.40. And I told him, yeah, football's the next man up sport. You can win with injuries in ways that you can't in other leagues. It's just a different mentality. The sport is just designed differently. You find Rasul Douglas, you keep going. You find Devondre Campbell in the offseason, you keep going, right? James Starks comes in for the playoff run and you keep going. But this sucks. It's a bummer. Now, luckily, there's a shortage of prove-it games for the Packers even after this Thursday. They're going to have to play the Vikings, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Chiefs. So we'll have more of these games. So that's good. And also, I think Rodgers and Matt LaFleur will have to get in the lab a little bit this week. And by this week, I mean yesterday, today, and Wednesday when they're all virtual, so maybe that's not ideal. But they're going to have to scheme it up. And I like watching these Packers when they very intentionally scheme it up and they come in with a game plan and look to execute that plan. They did that against the Niners. They've done that in the past when Devontae Adams has missed time. So we're going to talk about that coming up next. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers at 4.30. Mike Clemens will let us know what the heck is going on in Green Bay. It's turning into the COVID ward at your local hospital. Adams, Lazard, Joe Barry. We hope that's it. We'll get an update from Mike Clemens in a little bit over an hour. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I've been down and out today. I'm just sad. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the days getting shorter, weather getting colder. I don't know. Sad about the Brewers today. I'm sad about the Packers and their 6-1, which I get comes across as whiny. Sometimes I got to be whiny. Sometimes I got to play that role. I just, I'm sad that Thursday isn't going to be all it should be. No Adams, no Lazard, no Joe Barry for whatever that's worth. Also, we got to stop with the whole, oh, it's better to not have Kevin King. It's better that Joe Barry's sick. No, it's not. Stop that. Stop that. It's dumb. They're better at full strength, even with their players or coaches that you don't think are top-notch. So Alan Lazard is going to miss Thursday, too. Not because he has COVID. He is unvaccinated. He is a close contact, so it's the whole Kirk Cousins ordeal. Um, That's all I'm going to say about that. Bob Stock texts in 608-796-2558, says it's looking like you and Dave should get your bags packed to head to Arizona to play wide receiver. Maybe take caller Dave with you for defensive corner. Yeah, I wonder if Dave Monona. Get your head set, Dave. We're going to Phoenix. You're going to call defensive plays for us on Thursday. I think of all of our network hosts, Dan Casper is really tall. I don't, I, I think, I think he played football. I didn't play football. I don't know about Dave. I don't know about Ebo. Did Ebo play? Does anyone know? Did Ebo play football in high school? Did Zach Heilprin play football? Play like tight end or something? I don't know. I'm trying to think of who the best pass catchers on our network would be. Maybe Mike Clemens could be sneaky fast. I don't know. Good ball skills. Just a really cerebral player. I can see it. Thank you for that. Thank you for the text. Bob Stock. I'm seeing a lot of takes being thrown around regarding Adams and Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers wide receivers. I found this quote during the last commercial break, and now I lost it. It was shared by Zach Cruz, Packers Wire. Uh, This is one of the takes that I'm seeing being thrown. It's funny because it's coming from a defensive coordinator of the Cardinals, Vance Joseph. This was the quote from the ESPN story. Sometimes it helps them play an even cleaner game. 
he's not forced to force the ball to Adams. When you have a guy like Adams who's a volume pass catcher, you could kind of trap him into throwing the ball to Adams some. But without Adams, it's going to force Aaron to play a true game, and that's sometimes dangerous for us. This is really interesting because Packers fans will be like, oh, the offense is better without Devontae Adams, which I don't believe. But it's really interesting to hear an opposing defensive coordinator say it. He's not saying the Packers are better without him. He's saying that it presents unique challenges because Rodgers has to play a more complete game. So we have these takes that are all kind of contradictory. On one hand, I believe Devontae Adams to be the best wide receiver in football. I also believe that the Packers really don't have a number two wide receiver. But the Packers are also 6-0 and without Devontae Adams the last two seasons. Some say the offense runs better. I would say it runs differently. Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator of the Cardinals, would say it runs dis- differently. I don't know, and I'm sorry for not being able to speak today. I don't know how all of these takes seemingly coexist at the same time. I think Aaron Rodgers is a big part of it, right? Aaron Rodgers needs to do what he does without Devontae Adams with Devontae Adams. You know what I mean? He needs to spread the ball around even when Devontae Adams is on the field. I don't think this is a scheme problem. I don't think it's an Adams problem. I think it's a Rodgers problem. And it's maybe not the worst problem in the world to have. But you get what I'm saying, right? If if the offense seemingly runs more coherently without the offense's best wide receiver, well, then maybe the quarterback tends to fixate too much on said wide receiver. I don't know. Devontae Adams the best wide receiver in football. They're better when he's out there. But sometimes I think Aaron Rodgers needs to find a little bit more of a balance even when Adams is healthy. I think Matt LaFleur becomes more involved and maybe coaches a little bit more actively in games where Devontae Adams doesn't play. There's six of them over the last two years. I think they game plan a little bit more intentionally. Maybe that's the word. They look at the opposition. They say, okay, what's the best way to attack this team? Instead of saying, how can we get Adams the ball? He's our best player. How do we win through him? They say, okay, well, what is this team bad at? What is this team good at? And how do we use the weapons that we have to best attack that, best exploit that? In 2019, it was the Aaron Jones show when Devontae Adams was injured, right? He had four touchdowns against the Cowboys and then 230 yards against the Chiefs. That was the game without Mahomes. Jamal Williams played a pretty big role catching the ball in that game as well. Last year in New Orleans, Al Lazard had 146 yards. He went off, including as a deep threat, which I didn't know he had it in him. That game was a nice example of what Al Lazard can do when he's not blocking. Robert Tunyon had three touchdowns against the Falcons last year. And I remember before that game saying, I, I think this is going to be the Tunyon game. I think it has to be. He's their one weapon, and they used him big time to exploit the weak parts of that uh, Atlanta defense, which, to be fair, is is mostly all of the Atlanta defense just because they're not very good. The Packers may not have a true number two wide receiver. I I, like, I think that's fact. Some people are like, oh, MVS is a fine number two. Well, n- not really. Some days, yes. But when you say number one, number two, those are guys that week in and week out, you know what you're getting. And that hasn't been the case with Lazard or MBS or Malik Taylor or Cobb or any of these guys on the roster. It's okay to say the Packers don't have a true number two wide receiver. They don't, however, lack weapons. They have a lot of options. They have a lot of different guys to take the ball to, hand it to, throw it to, inside, outside. A lot of different avenues to try to exploit a defense. Like in Atlanta last year, maybe this week against the Cardinals, maybe it'll be the Robert Tunyon game. I don't know. They don't need to rush for 200 yards in this game like they did against Kansas City when Aaron Jones and that running game had 226 yards. It was nuts, Jamal Williams included, like I said. They don't need to rush for 200 yards, but I worry about what might happen if they can't rush the ball at all. 
You know what I mean? Like, if they come into this game, first few drives, they try to rush it, and they get stuffed, stuffed, stuffed. Like they kind of did against Washington. They really didn't find much success running the ball against the football team last weekend, which is understandable. The Packers are depleted offensive line. The one big strength of that Washington football team defense is the front. As a unit, they haven't been able to get stops and, and keep points off the board, but they are really nasty up front, so the Packers couldn't run the ball. Okay, well, what if that happens again this week, except this time the pass rush is even better the secondary is better. The linebackers are more athletic, and there's no Adams, and there's no Lazard, and there's no MVS. Okay, it's going to be tough. I worry what might happen if they can't rush the ball at all. Like I said, don't have to rush for 200-plus yards. They don't have to go Graham Mertz and, and give them the Bo Pelini treatment and hand the ball off 50 times. But they, I, I think they need to be able to run the ball at least a little bit because I don't know if Aaron Rodgers can throw for 400 yards given his options will be Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis. Malik Taylor's back, which I actually, I'm, I'm, I know some Packers fans might hear that and go, oh, whatever. I actually think that's a big player to have back for this week. They like Malik Taylor. I like Malik Taylor. I don't like him as our number one, but whatever type of game plan is used this week, it won't be your traditional, what we've seen the last couple of weeks. They'll have to scheme something up, come up with something to make life easier for Aaron Rodgers because if it's dropped back and draw something up in the dirt like at times they do with Adams. It's going to be a long night on Thursday night, especially without your defensive coordinator, which, yes, will impact the defense negatively. I know a lot of Packers fans think it's a good thing there without Joe Barry. It is not. Sorry to be the voice of reason. Let's take a break. Come back. We're going to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers, who joined the Pat McAfee show today to talk about the Washington game and look forward to, I almost said the, the football team, not the Arizona football team. <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals. So we're going to hear Rogers talk about that coming up next. And I'd love to hear from you. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show we're going to talk with mike clements in an hour thank the lord because we need some guidance here mike we need somebody with eyes and ears in green bay someone to be our everything really we need someone to let us know what's going on because alan lazard's close contact devontae has got covid and is that it is there more names on the way we'll speak with our insider our ringer mike clements the Wisconsin Sports Network coming up in an hour. Right now, we're just BSing about the Packers, trying to figure out what they might do now down a couple of bodies. Well, really down their top three bodies at wide receiver. Adams, Lazard, MVS is not able to come back, not able to be healthy. And of course, this game is in Arizona where Aaron Rodgers has had notoriously bad luck with wide receivers. Remember that playoff game. Uh, who's he throwing to again? Aberderis, Jeff Janis, and... Who had broken ribs in that game? Randall Cobb? Or was it Jordy Nelson? Was that a different playoff game where Jordy Nelson? That was the Atlanta game, wasn't it? That was the, that was the NFC Championship game in 2016. That was the next year where Jordy was playing with broken ribs in a black jacket. That's right. Zach and Wisco tweeted in, and I appreciate this, Zach. Thank you. Ebo did not play football. Ebo played soccer, which here's the thing, all right? We live in a culture where if you don't play football as a young man, as a high schooler, you know, we, we look down on that. And you're not as manly. I own my love for the sport of cross country. I think it's the best sport of all. 
Soccer is a great sport. I love soccer. Although now I'm a little frustrated knowing that Ebo is a soccer player, that I'm catching strays all the time because I played cross country or ran cross country, and Ebo played soccer, and I'm getting bullied by Ebo and his co- cohorts in Madison. That that just seems wrong. That doesn't seem fair. Thank you, Zach. Uh, how did this conversation even start? Oh, somebody suggested that we suit up for the Packers and play wide receiver on Thursday night. I'd get killed. I'd get broken in half. There's not much to me. I'm not exactly built like an NFL player. I'm not exactly built like a high school football player. I think I'd get killed if I tried to sub in and play in a high school game. Thank you for the tweet. At Wisco Grant. The talking text line, 608-796-2558. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show today. Spoke a little bit about Sunday's game which normally, especially in a short week like this, I don't want to move past a game like that. There wasn't much to it anyways, and the game's already in in two nights on Thursday. But hearing about Sunday's game, I think, is a good lesson. It's good details to have in our head as we get ready and look forward to the next game on Thursday night. So Aaron Rodgers asked by A.J. Hawk about playing against the Washington football team. He gives a nice little recap of what he took away from Sunday. How'd you feel you guys played? It looked pretty good to me. I mean, you guys offensively especially looked great. I think Lazard, different guys step up, which you know you need this week. Second part, Randall Cobb is probably going to have a big role this week. Is he? Does he still resent you for uh, uprooting his family from Houston? <laughs> I love how you just want to throw a jab, brush into another question, ask a two-parter, throw a jab at the end. That's classic AJ, man. You're just <laughs> such a good media guy now, man. I love it. Look, I'm happy with the way we played on, on Sunday at times. That's a good front. Uh, obviously, Chase Young and, and Montez Sweat uh, are studs off the edge. Uh, we didn't handle it great maybe starting the game. We had a nice two-minute drive, then a turnover, and next thing you know, we're up by two scores. Then we had some field position stuff. We got backed up and didn't hit anything, um, you know, and then kind of stalled there in a couple of possessions. Uh, you know, our punter for the brand has had a nice season. Had yeah. Good field-changing punts for us. And we were able to get that thing to a, a three-score game there. And our defense played great, especially in the red zone. You know, hold them to, uh, you know, I think they didn't score any touchdowns after they'd given up a touchdown. They got every possession leading up to that. So, fantastic job by the defense. Was it a fantastic job by the defense? They, got, they were in the red zone, but we talked about this yesterday. Red zone numbers are fluky. I don't have the total numbers in front of me here. Let me pull it up. Washington moved the ball. They marched up and down the field, and Taylor Heineke had a couple of runs, and Aaron Rodgers talked about those. We'll get to that in a sec. It was a better performance by the defense. They had a good fourth down stop, and they got pressure at the right time, and Rashawn Gary had a strip sack, forced a turnover. But Washington moved the ball when they were able to hold on to the ball. They just couldn't punch it in in the red zone. Like we said, those numbers can be fluky. Taylor Heineke was jobbed out of a touchdown, I think, twice on one of those drives. Total yards, Washington football team had 430. The Packers had 304. I... The defense was fine. I think the offense was a little underwhelming, especially in the second half. I thought they just kind of sat on their hands and just waited for the clock to expire, which, whatever, it's the football team. Short week turnaround. I'm not going to obsess over this. I'm not going to remember this game or anything about it in a couple of months anyways. I don't know. The defense played fine. To me, it was the offense that left a little bit to be desired. That A.J. Dillon fumble and a couple bad series. Aaron Rodgers talked about Taylor Heineke. He was inspired by him in his running. Oh, I hate that. Look, I got it. I got inspired. Watching, uh, watching number four for Washington, man. I mean, the dude almost ran for 100 yards. Um, I got inspired. So I've had an explosive run the last two weeks. Very, very proud of that. Uh, that's not something that I want to make a living doing. Um, definitely don't want to take any unnecessary shots. But uh, I have enjoyed getting out a little bit and extending plays. And for whatever reason, I've, I've been able to have a double-digit run the last two weeks. So 
I'll hope I'll be really hoping that I got at least one more double digit run coming up on Thursday. You know how I feel about this. I don't like that he is obsessed with getting runs. Shouldn't be his focus. Now, to be fair to Rodgers, he did say, you know, you don't want to make a living doing that. And he's right. You shouldn't. He's almost 38. No one expects you to make a living running outside the pocket. And sometimes that's what bothers me with Rodgers. It's like, oh, Pete Doherty wrote a piece. I was saying I couldn't get out and run anymore. Yeah, well, you know what? You're a three-time MVP Super Bowl winning quarterback. All respect in the world to Pete Doherty, who's very good at his job. Do you have nothing better to do than read Pete Doherty's piece in the Press Gazette or PackersNews.com or whatever fine publication he is? He's a great writer. But Rodgers, you don't have anything better to do, man. You don't like, hobby, good show you've been watching, book you've been reading, big into literature these days, just something that's not written by Pete Doherty. I won't obsess over it. Don't obsess over proving people wrong. Run when you need to. Did that last weekend. Don't obsess over it. That's, I think, where I stand on that. It's good to hear that he says you don't want to make a living off that. He doesn't want to take hits, which I, all right, I can get behind that. But the offense is better when he's in the pocket, delivering the ball on time, on target, blah, blah, blah. I'm a broken record. You've heard this before. Aaron Rodgers. This was interesting, talking about, hey, I'm having fun. Football is fun. I'm enjoying the season. Life is good, which we've heard from Rodgers before, but there's one thing that he mentions in here that has become a theme, and I, that's what I'm focusing on in this answer, and we'll talk about that after we hear it. Well, I love football. I'm invested completely in this season. Oh, uh, really? I, yeah, I am. I know it's surprising. Uh, <laughs> it's just been – life's been really good, man. I'm, I, I love – our Tuesday chats have been great. Uh, it's been fun to have some new guys in the mix, some new teammates, get to know them, and get to know some of the older ones a little bit better to, you know, build those friendships. Uh, it's been great working with the staff. I love the staff. They're such a great group of guys to work with every single week. They make things fun, and they reinvent themselves every single week with presentations and jokes and things to keep guys interested. You just absolutely love. And obviously winning cures a lot of that. You know, we had a rough first week, and, and the world outside of the facility was kind of, on top of us, and I'm just so proud of our guys to stay the course and to not panic and not, you know, start pointing fingers. And, you know, that usually happens when you have a dud like that and maybe in other places, but we stuck together. We won six in a row. We've been playing, uh, obviously, a lot better. All three phases, I think, have been playing uh, improved football. And it's a game, man. you got to have fun with it, and you got to enjoy it. And watching Randall try and uh, escape that false start was amazing. <laughs> How can you not laugh with that stuff? And with, you know, Ioannidis chasing me out of the back of the end zone. And, uh, you know, I kind of lofted that ball over to A.J. Dillon, a little bit of a dicey throw there that he almost caught. And then, the you know, I think Matt was like, oh, you were almost out of bounds there. And immediately I was like, man, I avoided that Dan Orlovsky. Right <laughs> That's funny. He almost did step out of bounds on that. That's not what jumped out to me about that answer, though. Talks about, oh, season's been a blast. I love it, which we've heard before. If they're winning, you know, football's fun. It's a game. But always talking about how Brian Gutekinds is bringing in veterans. Rasul Douglas, Merciless, uh, Jalen Smith, who's not as old as Rodgers, but he already has Mercedes Lewis. Reminds me of, this is, this is a real-life example. How do I want to word this? So we've all been through this with a parent or a grandparent who, let, let's say, you have a grandma She's like 78, and Grandpa passed away a couple of years ago. And she lives by herself. She's got, she's just alone all the time. And she finally breaks down. She moves into the apartment building. And she's got people her age all around her to talk to, do a crossword with. Let's let's sit out and play a board game in the lobby. Let's go down to see the little band they brought in, like moving into the retirement community. Oh, my God, I'm with my people again. This is what Aaron Rodgers sounds like. Because for years, 
He's like, man, these guys are they're young, and you know they got to learn how to play the game. Like Rogers finally has people his age around him. It reminds me of the old person who finally broke down, sold the house, moved into the retirement community, and is just enthralled by how many friends and how many people is around him. He can finally connect with these people. That's uh, might be an insensitive real life example, but that's what it makes me think of. AJ Hawk asks Aaron Rodgers about Kyler Murray in this Arizona offense. Now we're getting into previewing Thursday night. When you look at the the Cardinals and you see Kyler Murray and what he's able to do, did you ever think you'd see a guy in the NFL playing the style that he is and doing it so consistently at such a high level? Well, I think he's seen it over the years as as a lot of the changes happen, kind of maybe you wouldn't expect this, but a lot of it comes from the high school level to the college level to the pro level. Um, You've seen more and more of these quarterbacks who, you know, have this, you know, when they get ranked, it's like quarterback slash athlete. You know, they're, they're putting athlete alongside the quarterback's name, which guys like that wasn't you. That's fantastic. You know, I would think I was just more like quarterback, uh, half a star guy, you know, no slash, no slash, but uh, he's a talented guy. And there's a lot of guys who are doing what he's doing. You know, they can attack you so many different ways when you when you got to let a guy like that. Obviously, you can read option stuff, which, um, you know, we saw in the early uh, 2010s with guys like Cap and Russ. And then, you know, guys who can really sling it uh, and, and move around a bunch, uh, which there's, you know, a few guys like like him. But, you know, he's talented. Arm talent is fantastic. You can run around all over the place. He's one of, one of if not the fastest guy in the field most of the time. And the weapons that they got, obviously, D Hop is a fantastic player, has been for a long, 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 long time. Uh, AJ Green, seeing him come back for his injuries and playing really well. Christian Kirk, uh, great player. Zach Ertz, a buddy of mine who just got recently traded, uh, is super talented guy. So we're going to have to keep up with them scoring wise because they've been uh, very consistent offensively. And, and so we have to find a way to score some points. Have to score points. I don't think there's a way that the Packers win this game 17 14 on Thursday night. I just. And, and the Packers' defense is coming along. They're improving, as I've talked about. They faced harder and harder competition. I mean, it's not otherworldly competition here, but, it, like, against the Bengals. Put together a really good performance. The Bengals ran it up on the the Ravens this weekend. Like, that was a solid defensive performance. They're losing guys to injury, and yet they still seem like they're finding their way, and they're figuring out Joe Barry's system, and they're figuring out what they want to do. Now, they need to get healthy. They just need their top-end talent back. But their defense isn't winning them this game on Thursday. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play a spectacular game, and they're going to have to put up a lot of points, which is going to be difficult to do now that they're without Devontae Adams, also now without Lazard, and it doesn't seem like MVS is going to be ready. Now, at the time this interview ran, we didn't know the Lazard news. Well, maybe Rodgers did, but the interviewers, Pat McAfee and crew, didn't. They asked him simply, what's it like playing without Devontae Adams? Here's a good taste on, on what Rodgers is thinking about without his number one target going into Thursday night. Well, I saw a stat yesterday. We're 6-0 without him the last few years. I don't know how that's even possible, but uh, we've we've uh, we've found a way the last six times we've missed him. And like I said just now in the, in the press conference, we're not a better team without him. I mean, he's so damn talented. He's incredible. Uh, the things he does in the field and the adjustments he makes, the catches he makes, the just the savvy that he has, late hands, meticulous route runner, uh, great after the catch, does it all for you, love him, uh, great human. Uh, so we're obviously going to miss him, miss his presence. But uh, we found a way in the, in the last six games. We found a way to win. So we're going to have to dig into some of the ways that we did that over the years. And, um, you know, we'll be ready to go. I'm not, I'm not worried about our guys. There'll be some young guys got to step up. And, and when they do, uh, 
they need to make the most of their opportunities. Good indicator on Thursday night. If we're through the second quarter and Rodgers has targeted eight different guys, that's a good sign. That's what we want. We don't want to see him obsessing, throwing only to Cobb, throwing only to Jones. This is going to need to be a team effort. That's the only way it's going to work. It's the only way they're going to put up enough points to not even just keep pace with Arizona, but have a hope and a prayer at beating them on the short week without a bunch of their top targets. Let's take a break. Get an update from Mike Clemens. Well, no, we can't get an update from Mike Clemens. We'll do that at 530. I have a couple of words to say about baseball in the World Series because I, I'm whiny a lot. I complain a lot, but I'm going to have a message of positivity for Brewers fans going into the World Series tonight. That's coming up next. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Tweet me, follow me, give me that sweet, sweet interaction. At Wisco Grant on Twitter. Wow, Loghead says, for the love of God, stop talking about the Brewers, man. Your name is Loghead, so shut up. How's that sound? Oh, my God, the Packers beat the Washington football team. Oh, my God, the team who's quarterbacked by Taylor Heineke. The team that doesn't have a real name. Oh, my God, the team that's probably going to get... The team got raided by the FBI two and a half weeks ago. You want me to do jumping jacks and talk about that game for three weeks straight? We'll do it. We just talked about the Packers for 45 minutes. We'll talk about the World Series for four minutes. Hop off, loghead. But thank you for the tweet. Do ask for the interaction. Duck and Holman texted in, said nobody's watching baseball with the Brewers out. Screw baseball. You know, Duck, I'm glad you said that. Because I disagree. And this is actually what I wanted to talk about. And it's for four minutes, so bear with me. We'll get back to the Packers in a few minutes, I swear. Seen a lot of Brewers fans on Twitter, and now on the talk and text line, I'm seeing it. I'm not watching the World Series. Not with the Brewers out. I'm not watching. Oh, look. Okay. 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 You want to feel that way? Fine. Go ahead. You want to fill your life up with that toxicity and and, and be stubborn? Fine. When the Brewers were eliminated, I told myself, I'm not going to watch. I'm done watching. But you know what? I love baseball. Baseball's the best. And today, got emotional. Got a little sad thinking about the Brewers. I'm like, "Ah, I miss the Brewers. I was thinking about May. It was this night I always remember when thinking about the 2021 Brewers. When I was, it was a Tuesday night in May, and I was pumping gas, corner quick trip, corner of West Ave and Lacrosse Street. And I'm, I'm listening on my radio. Once I drive away, I didn't have the radio on when I was pumping gas. Avi Garcia gets thrown out, and Craig Council makes a scene. I'm listening on the radio, and the summer was so young. It was only May, and there was so much promise. I was so excited to watch this team, and I just, I miss him. I miss him. But you know what? Baseball's not done yet. Okay, and I know everybody's jaded about two huge markets, Atlanta and Houston. It's like, oh, great, oh, great for the sport, oh, huge markets. Look, I'm as anti-big market as anyone. Okay, but we got to take a pill here. There's been no repeat champ in baseball since 2000. There's lots of variety. Watch or don't. All right, that's up to you. But baseball's great. World Series, I think, is going to be really fun. I am a little jaded towards the Braves because they beat the Brewers. This is the fifth time in the last 15 years, by the way that the team that beat the Brewers is in the World Series. 2008, Brewers lost to the Phillies, who won it all. 2011, lost to the Cardinals, who won it all. 2018, they lost to the Dodgers. Won a, they lost in the World Series, that's right, in 2018 to the Red Sox. I almost said one, but they didn't. 2019, lost to the Nationals, who won it all. 2020, lost to the Dodgers, who won it all, but that doesn't count. That was a 60-game season. I am as 
skeptical of that championship as any that's been won uh, during the panoramic, during the, the plandemic, COVID-19 ever since this started. I'm bummed. I'm a little jaded about Atlanta, but I'm going to get over it. But one thing that I think annoys me most about Atlanta is they arguably don't have reason to in the postseason. Philly melted down. The Mets melted down. And Atlanta didn't make it by luck, but they had no business being in the postseason. Whereas a team like the Brewers, wire to wire, led the thing, dominated their division, made additions throughout the season to get even better, had a plan, had a mission, and then they just ran into a team that was hot, a team that really maybe didn't even belong in the postseason, but yet here we are there in the World Series, which is the way that it's gone for the Brewers and their playoff opposition. Five times, like I said, in the last 15 years. Yeah, I'm bummed, but you know what? It's the World Series. It's the Fall Classic. It's the voice of Joe Buck, and it's cool, and when the pitchers get on base, they're going to be wearing a... Wait, who are the two teams again? Where are we going to be? So we're going to be in Atlanta and Houston. Ah, I wish... I wish that San Fran was in the postseason still. I wish they were in the World Series because then it would be chilly. And when the pitchers got on base for whatever reason, then they'd get to wear the jacket. And I always love that about late season baseball when they wear the jacket when they're running the bases. I think that's awesome. It's a bummer we don't get that, but that's a that's a little thing, I guess. Look, you want to be jaded about baseball? It's fine. I'm not going to talk about it anymore tonight. We're going to do another hour on the Packers. But I'm excited for the World Series because you know what? As soon as the World Series is done, we're going to have nothing but NBA for months and months and months. And I know all of you love to tell me how regular season NBA doesn't matter. This matters. This is the World Series. And I know the Brewers lost and it sucks, but it doesn't mean we should turn away some great sporting entertainment. And I think that's what we're in for starting tonight. I don't know who I'm cheering for. Probably the Braves. The Astros were cheaters. I'm more angry at baseball than the Astros. The Astros weren't going to punish themselves. That was the job of baseball, and they dropped the ball. So, I don't know. I think I'm cheering for the Braves, even though they beat the Brewers. It's fine. I can be the bigger man. I can be mature here and there. Not most of the time, but sometimes. I'm excited for tonight. I'll be watching. You do you, but I'll rise above. I'll be the bigger man. Let's get an update from Zach Heilprin. Remember, an update from Mike Clemens coming at 532. A lot of news today. Wisco Sports Show, back in a few. every pressure on the quarterback you're buying a pull tab right pressures are good pull tabs are a blast and if you buy enough of them eventually you're going to win some money back and if you pressure the quarterback enough times eventually the sacks are going to come this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air here's your host grant bills We're done with baseball. I said my piece. We're going to move on. A lot to get to with the Packers. There's a lot of news. We could talk about the Badgers. I think I kind of said my piece yesterday. I just wanted to get that out there. Just clear the air and say, hey, I know everybody's jaded and ticked and not watching the World Series. I'm going to watch. I'm excited. It's the fall classic. Playoff baseball is the best. And at some point, you know, you got to live and let live. And the Braves got us. Good for the Braves. We got hot at the right time. They beat us. But I'm not not watching one of the championship events. I'm not going to tune out the World Series just because my team lost. It, look, if I ignored sporting events after my team's lost, I wouldn't have watched how many Super Bowls in the last decade. That's maybe what bothers me most about the Packers losing in NFC Championship games is because it ruins the Super Bowl. But I still watch the Super Bowl. I fight through it, so I'm going to fight through it with the World Series as well. Braves, Astros, two fun teams. I weirdly wish the Giants or the Dodgers were in it. 
I wish the Giants were in it because it would be cool to have cold weather baseball games in the Bay. That's just a really, that's a playoff atmosphere. And the Dodgers, eh, call me basic. They're just really talented. They're fun to watch. I hate how much they spend on their team, but they're a fun team to watch. They're really talented. And when I'm not watching my team, I want to watch the good teams. Dodgers are really good. But I'll pull for the Braves. I'll pull for the Astros. I just want to see a good series. And there I have uh, said my piece on baseball. That's all I wanted to say. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to get back into football. First, a couple of texts. Duck and Holman, appreciate you. Zach and Eau Claire, he says, Wow, I was contemplating giving you guff for all your Rogers negativity until the retirement community comment. Now I'm back in. Go, Pat, go. I, um, is that an insensitive, is that an insensitive thing to say? So Aaron Rodgers, the quote today, when asked about bringing in veteran guys, he says, I love it. I do. I love the energy with these guys. I think at times Aaron Rodgers has struggled with the release of Jordy Nelson, you know, losing Randall Cobb, losing Brian Bulaga, losing Corey Lindsley, guys who are his age, right, who've been in the league, have experienced things like Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you feel this way at work. If everyone's way older than you at work or everyone's way younger than you at work, you don't have someone to lean on and talk to about things, mutual and shared experiences, right? I think Aaron Rodgers has struggled with that at times, and he's a victim of his own success because he's such a good quarterback, and he started for so many years, and he's going to keep being the starting quarterback for years. Well, guess what? You keep getting older. You stay the same position, but offensive linemen, they're going to rotate. Receivers, going to rotate. Defensive backs, linebackers, it's just the quarterback is a unique position, so really he's the sun, and the rest of the solar system keeps getting refreshed with younger guys, and I think he misses the old days where everybody was his age when he was younger, and he was the same age as some of these guys. So he loves the energy with these veterans. It reminds me of, you know, say someone who's 78 years old who, you know, maybe some maybe some friends have been kicking the bucket or uh, maybe the husband, the wife passed away. Now they're living at home in the big empty house, and they finally said, you know what, screw it. I'm moving into town. I'm moving into a uh, retirement community, an apartment, where I can be with people my age and do things like watch Jeopardy which is funny because Rogers loves Jeopardy. And now he's just beside himself because he's got all these friends around him all the time. Veteran energy says, I love these guys. I love having these guys around. I think it's funny, which sneaky, really smart move by Brian Gudikins. Get older guys, mature voices. Mercedes Lewis was a godsend the last couple of years, but now Devondre Campbell. And then recently, a guy like Whitney Merciless. Randall Cobb was brought back. I think Aaron Rodgers really likes that. I Now, I'm not going to dwell and obsess on his mental state, but he's probably enjoying the season a little bit more because of that. He's probably enjoying the experience just a little bit more. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Uh, Mitch and Madison says, I completely get what Rogers is saying. Those veterans are extremely professional because they know what it takes. Exactly. They've been through the paces. Also says Michael McDonald in the background. Nice. Yeah. I've been on a, I've been on a Michael McDonald kick a little bit. Um, this weekend, uh, did some date. My parents came to town. I, we talked about this, went to a cross country meet. And we went out and had bloodies afterwards. And when you're in a bar on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, I think oldies should be playing. Let the youngins have their Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. But during the day, like, I want some Yacht Rock. Give me some Doobie Brothers. Give me some Michael McDonald. Give me some Stephen Bishop. Right? That's what I'm looking for. So, no, I've been on the uh, the Michael McDonald kick a little bit. Thank you, Mitch and Madison. I know there's a... Uh, there's some Michael. There's a weird contingent of Michael McDonald fans I know that listen to the Zone because I think Ebo's always playing him too. Michael McDonald, the Silver Fox. Let's go to the phone six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Dave, is this you? Who in the hell goes out of your age for Bloody Marys? 
Oh, what? I can never you appease just, you. I can never appease well, you. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't call in for three days. I turn you on, and I'm going out with a couple of buddies for bloodies. It's like, oh, help me, Lord. That's not why I called. I, I went, you, I went, first of all, I went out with my parents, and it was in the middle of the day. What's wrong with that? That's even worse. Oh my! God. I went out with mommy and I went out with mom and dad. I'm 22 years old, and we have Bloody Marys now. If you would have said old fashions and and whiskeys, you know that's a little more. But we, we, Bloody we, Mar- but anyway, you want the three of us to smoke a pack of cigarettes together too, Dave? I mean, I'm not getting yeah, hammered in broad daylight with my mom and dad. Yeah, hey, but I, we turned my mom onto that CBD oil now, so we tell her to go smoke a bowl now when she feels pain. <laughs> CBD is. Uh... That stuff's a godsend. What what did you call about then? If you didn't call uh, anyway, yeah, about Bloody you, Marys, what did you call about? You got you got me all flustered when you start when you start acting like a fairy in Bloody Marys. But anyway, okay, couple whatever. Things. Well, now, come on. As far as Badger football, I mean, if, if, the whole Purdue coaching staff should be fired. The one weakness of Wisconsin <laughs> is what you stop you stop, you stop Grandma and you stop Purdue. You, you, you don't put an eight man front and every on multiple first downs you bring in a running quarterback. Ah, mistake. So then you're in second long and third long. Of course, Purdue uh, um, got beat by Wisconsin. You're not going to see that against Iowa Saturday. All wow. Iowa's got to do is put eight men in the box to make Grandma beat you, and ho- I, hopefully, hopefully Wisconsin gets their ass kicked and set you know, and, and, and it's the end of end of Paul Christmas. Oh, year, but you know, I just I just sat there. Yeah, and I go, I go, Purdue, what are you doing? Eight, I mean, eight man fronts. Grandma Mertz couldn't th- couldn't throw to my grandmother, but instead they, you know, they pound it and pound it and pound it. But anyway, I had to get that done. And as far as that, you know how you know how frustrated I was a fan now with that that damn Green Bay Packer. I, and I, I know you don't want to turn into political, but this is what happens, people, when your players aren't vaccinated. Yeah. One person runs wild, and now guess what happens? Devontae Adams gets it. Um, the other guy who I can't who's, who's the guy at um. Oh my God, Alan Lazard, Who's the wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, Alan Lazard. Yeah, not, not now, and this won't be the end of it. You know, you today, yesterday was Adams, today's Lazard, tomorrow who's next? When you let a sob run wild, not vaccinated. Now, just think that this, this would be during the Super Bowl week, Packer fans. How are you going to feel then about the vaccination? I'm sorry, but I'm frustrated as hell. You're playing a sure. team for home field advantage, and if you win. Arizona may have to come or Tampa may come to Lambeau. Well, no, let's hope Rogers can match him point for point. Yeah, but I'm guessing it might take it might take 40 points. Hey, Rogers, you got your wish now. You know, Rhino Cow's <laughs> going to be there. But God, that you. I'm down in Illinois with, with customers today, and they're all going. Well, you got the freedom and the right. I said, no, we're season ticket holders. I go, and not, 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 and now we got to suffer because some sob. But anyway. I had to get on my soapbox about that, but you know, finally right. for you, mm-hmm. Last you mentioned thing. about watching the World. You mentioned about watching the World Series. Yeah, I refuse to watch it. Pitch any anybody who watches the World Series. If your team's not in there, you're suspended for six years. The Brewer, you're a Brewer fan. They didn't get it, so screw Houston, screw Atlanta. Yeah. Now, <sighs> I bet if you asked every person my age about Wisconsin and Marquette who hates Marquette, if Marquette was in the championship game, I wonder how many people in Wisconsin would. Let's watch Marquette because they're from Wisconsin. Oh, my God. I didn't say I'm cheering for either team. It's the World Series. It's a big deal. I'm not just not going to watch the World Series because my team's not there. I'd never, I wouldn't watch 90% of sporting games that are on TV if I only watched uh, my teams. 
Well, yeah, but now you're going to watch it with Bloody Marys and, and probably Pop Tarts. <laughs> that is short pants. Pop Tarts and uh, Pop Tarts <laughs> and uh, pink pantyhose. Pop Tarts are delicious. I don't. You know, Dave, first of all, you've given us so much to talk about here. I appreciate you. Thank you for the call. I'm going to let you go. There you go, Packer fans. You get what you wish for. Thank you, Dave. First of all, I'm not wading into the vaccine debate. I just, for, <laughs> I can't believe that that was his take. I can't believe that Dave from Monona came in with a pro-vaccine take. I I, that, that, I didn't expect that. Schmidt on the north side texted in, too. He said, wait. Dave and Monona's with vaccines. Players at the beginning of the year said the vaccine is a competitive advantage, and it's starting to look that way. Yeah. Okay, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the way that the NFL set it up, right? This is the way that they encouraged. Uh, that might be loose phrasing. More like really, really encouraged, borderline coerced players to get vaccinated because this is the difference. If Alan Lazard was vaccinated, he's fine unless he tests positive. But if you're not vaxxed, and we learned this with Kirk Cousins, if you just bump into a guy in the hallway, if you're a close contact, it doesn't matter, all right? You're out for 10 days or whatever, and Mike Clemens will kind of educate us more on exactly what this looks like. But that's the difference for a vaccinated and a non-vaccinated person. That's the way the NFL set it up. Not saying I agree or disagree. I, I, I mean, in a weird way, all these companies are doing vaccine mandates, right? And people are really upset about it. Or, and I don't. I mean, some people are. Some people don't care. So we're, we all fall in various spots in this issue, right? The NFL didn't have a vaccine mandate. They just said, okay, well, if you're not going to get vaccinated, then these are the rules that you play with. And the NFL has typically gone about their business that way. They've put the bottom line over everything else. We have the most successful sport. We have the most successful game. We make the most money. You're going to do it our way or you're not going to do it at all. And you know what? If you don't do it, we're going to get somebody else to do it because that's how football works and we're the NFL and screw you. And through thick and thin, through lots of different issues, it's worked for the NFL, even if it always hasn't been the most popular. That's where I'm going to leave that. But yeah, Al Lazard doesn't have COVID. He's a close contact. And because he's not vaxxed, he's going to miss time. And Dave Davis has a point. Like, what if this happens Super Bowl week? You could run into a scenario in which a player has to miss the Super Bowl, not because he's sick, but simply because he's a close contact and the NFL's regulations and rules won't let him play because they don't even want to risk it. They don't even want to go there. If you're not vaxxed and you bump into someone who has COVID, we're sitting you out and we're keeping you out because we want to keep people safe. I, I, I don't really have an opinion on this. The NFL makes their decisions. I sometimes agree with them. I sometimes don't. But this is very typical for how they operate. This should not be a surprise. And we're just seeing now what Vikings fans saw with Kirk Cousins in training camp. Right? If you're not vaxxed, things are a little bit different. I don't really. Yeah, we're not going to go there. Also, so much to unpack. Just because my team lost, I don't get to watch the World Series. That's not how that works. And also, I can't believe that I said I was drinking with my parents and I was listening to Yacht Rock. So Michael McDonald, Stephen Bishop, I would say Firefall, Steely Dan. And the part of that that triggered Dave was that I was drinking a Bloody Mary. It had nothing to do with the Yacht Rock that I was listening to and talking about. No, it was, it was the alcohol and the fact that I was with my parents. Wildly interesting man, David Monona. A pleasure as always. Thank you. 608-796-2558. Mad Mike says, Grant, you having dinner at 4.30 now too? What the hell? I, nobody goes out for bloodies in the middle of the day? I can't believe I'm getting this treatment. I should have just kept it to myself. This is all Mitch and Madison's fault. He's the one that brought up Michael McDonald. Everything's connected. What a tangled web that we weave on this show. So the news of the day, to kind of reset, uh, we were talking about how um, 
Alan Lazard is out because Devontae Adams is out. Joe Barry is out. And it sucks because this Thursday was supposed to be the first real test, right? You look at the schedule up until now for the Packers. They're 6-1. and one. Yeah, that's great. They've built a great foundation of wins and losses. They're leading pace in the division. They're on track to make the postseason and hopefully get a pretty good seed. Awesome. But this was supposed to be our test. And what's frustrating is we're going into this game now on a short week, and they don't have a receiving core. So I don't really know what we're supposed to do with this game. We're going to have to wait until the week after or the week after to really get a glance at what at least a somewhat healthy Packers team looks like against the Rams or the Seahawks or the Vikings or the Chiefs. And that's a bummer because I was really excited for Thursday night. Back to the talk and text line. Binks, uh, do you have a comment on, well, there's been a million things said in the last 10 minutes. So I'll just, well, what's up, Binks? What's going on? I won't even you know, try I was thinking about, I, I, I was wondering about, uh, I, I kind of want to know how, um, uh, Dave from Monona lives his life because he kind of reminds me of a Harry Carey wannabe. And <laughs> you're, you're too young to know who that guy is. And then there was his sidekick, uh, his color announcer, mm-hmm. Steve Stone. And Steve Stone was the sober guy in the booth, in the booth for the Cubs <laughs> games, uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to keep him straight while, Harry Carey kept making all these comments about the about the drunk girls and the bleachers. Uh, um, so I kind of wondered if that was if that's Dave from Monona. So you two could be great side by side radio or, or TV announcers. Uh, so that's your that's your long term goal, there, buddy. I you appreciate got to keep, uh, Dave Monona. You're giving me something to aim for. I, I like that. I, I gotta know if you got my tweet, and I kind of gotta know if, if I'm uh, if I'm being snubbed because I, I never got anything back from you, buddy. I I was just kind of you know I had to throw something there about my Craig Council bobblehead and made a comment to you, man, and and uh, I got oh I peed him I I got him off big time. I was like, Ugh. oh, did you tweet I, that? I, I, did you tweet that Craig Council needed to be fired? Is that the tweet you're talking about? That was a little bit ago. Yeah, that, that wasn't because, today. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because you know what. I, I found the perfect um, either hitting coach or replacement for Craig Council, Mark Grace, that'll, and that'll keep uh, Dave from Monona smiling. He'll, he'll keep going. He'll smile on that one. Okay, Mark Grace? Is that who you said? Mark Grace. Uh, he used to be a cop, and he was with the Diamondbacks. Oh, 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 of course. Well, Mark Grace is obviously a former Major League Baseball first baseman who spent 16 seasons with the Cubs and the Diamondbacks of the National League. Oh, and of course, now I'm remembering he was a member of that 2001 World Series Diamondbacks team that beat the Yankees. Now I remember. I just needed a moment. Yeah, there you go. Right from the fingertips of Google, right? (laughs) Yeah, so you like like Mark Grace? Well, hey, I I mean, maybe he could be a hitting coach. Was Craig Council Council was on that Diamondbacks team, wasn't he? 2001? Uh, Yeah, I think it was me. Now that he, now that you say that, it could have been the same team. But uh, anyway, so anyway, man, I still got that gift for you, dude. So uh, it's there. Uh, maybe after the series, we'll talk some baseball. Or after that, uh, if they can't come to that uh, uh, new bargaining agreements, uh, looks like we're gonna Ugh. might have to try to talk some baseball. So, um, Marty, dreading but, it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the Braves on this one. The Astros pulled that. Uh, fecal material a couple years ago and I, I'm thinking it's time uh, we'll let the Braves take it. So. Yeah, I think so too. As, as much of a bummer it is because they beat the Brewers, I, I think I'm cheering for Atlanta too. And I'm excited. Bummed that the Brewers lost but I'm excited. I will DM you about our, our Twitter shenanigans, Binks. Thanks for the call. Got a buddy fight. Binks in lacrosse. Thank you for the call. Mark Grace. Yeah, I, it just took me a second. It is all coming back to me. 
Um, his batting average was 303. He had 2,445 career hits. Yeah, it's all on them. I mean, he's 57 years old. He's Not a lot of people know this about him. He's from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, parents Shannon or Sharon and Gene. Um, Tustin High School, San Diego State University. Yeah, I'm a big Mark Grace fan. I know a lot of, a lot of random factoids about uh, Mark Grace. I think Council was on that team. Has he been coaching at all, or you just want to – I don't think he's – I don't see anything, right? I, excuse me, I'm not looking at anything. I don't have any memory of him ever being a coach. But maybe I can do some research. Give me – I don't want to research things on air. That would be rude and disingenuous. We'll take a break. Maybe I'll look into this, Binksy. When we come back, a couple final Packers notes, things. I want to talk a little bit more about maybe how they attack without really any healthy wide receivers on Thursday night and maybe how this offense might look a little differently, including a really weird quote today from the Arizona defensive coordinator. He thinks it's even more difficult to prepare for the Packers when they don't have Devontae Adams, which is weird because I think a lot of people think that. It's just really weird to hear that from a defensive coordinator. So we'll talk about that, all that coming up next. Mike Clemens up in about 10 minutes. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills this has been a oh it's been a weird show fighting with someone on twitter named loghead although now we've made up sorry i got a little bent out of shape about baseball i wanted to talk about it for four minutes everybody's jumping down my throat hey it's a two-hour show okay plenty of football today and then dave is mad about bloody marys of all things it's just it's been a weird show i got a text about christmas lights and lacrosse i will get to that in a second because it's a good question, and sure, if I'll answer your question about Christmas lights and lacrosse. First, the phone, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is uh, Richard from Janesville. Richard from Janesville. Hello, Richard. Hey, I, I, my question, I'm always wondering, every time I hear Dave, is mm-hmm. he really from Wisconsin? <laughs> He's a huge, uh, his Cubs fandom, I think, clouds all of his other takes. I believe he's Bucks Packers he's fan, Cubs, just Cubs fan. I think that's the only thing. If he's a Cubs fan, he is clouded. Yeah, his judgment <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, he he really has it out for us Brewers fans, but he's on our side for everything else. Yeah. All right. You have a good good evening. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. I appreciate the call from Janesville, all the way from Janesville. Appreciate it. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. So, Mad Mike, Mad Mike texts in. He says. Heard lacrosse had their Christmas lights stolen. What the hell? Yeah, so if you aren't from this area, if you're listening in Eau Claire or you're listening in Madison or you're listening anywhere around the world on one of our countless streaming options, uh, we have the rotary lights in downtown lacrosse in Riverside Park. It's great. Do it every year. It's huge. I don't really know how to explain the scale other than Riverside Park is very big um, and it takes up the whole thing. So you can, like, drive the loop around it. Or you can, I think it's pretty similar to Irvine Park in Chippewa. I don't know if there's a Madison equivalent. There probably is. There's probably, like, it's probably set up somewhere. But it's huge. It's a huge production, and they're already setting it up. And somebody or some group of people stole, they cut and stole the power lines, electrical cable. It's like $10,000 worth of electrical cable, like power cords. For the copper, maybe? I don't know. I'm not a welder. I don't know how much that stuff costs, but it seems like a lot of squeeze for. The juice. I feel like if you want $10,000, probably better things to steal. Maybe an easier way to make $10,000. And if you're going to steal, maybe don't steal from... It's for charity. 
The money goes to food pantries in the area. Isn't that messed up? Screwed up. Dick in Janesville. Yeah, Dick, thank you, Schmidt, for that. We really needed that. Uh, Grant, just listen to Dave from Monona. Are you sure that's not Joe Biden, Tim from La Crescent? I don't know that uh, Dave would appreciate that comparison. Dave, why is, oh, Dave is such a lightning rod. Every time he calls in, I got to do damage control for the next 10 minutes about whatever he says, the way that he says it. Yeah, he's a Cubs fan. He's with us on everything else. I enjoy, I enjoy Dave. I don't agree with most of the things that he said, but, uh, or ever says, but very genuine. I enjoy talking to him. Update, no Lazard, no MVS, no Adams. So we have a receiving core tomorrow that's Amari Rogers, Randall Cobb, Malik Taylor is coming off covid injured list injured reserve he was there it's like october 15th he'd been on that list for a while so they get that option back no doubt they will involve aaron jones and aj Dillon in the passing game i think if there's anything to take away from the last couple of wins none of which have been all that inspiring maybe think about how aj Dillon has proven himself as a capable receiver because when adams went out last year we all remember oh the tunyon game against the falcons or aaron jones going off like he did two years ago against the cowboys and Aaron Jones is obviously a huge portion of this offense, and Tunyon had a great season, and I know they're trying to get him going, but the impact that Jamal Williams had in some of those games, I mean, they were they were throwing legit routes down the field to Jamal Williams. And I don't know if A.J. Dillon's at that point yet, but Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have shown that in the past when they are needing some depth, some extra capable bodies at wide receiver, they're not afraid to take shots down the field with their running backs either. I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Dillon plays a role. Maybe this is the game where we really get our first taste of Kylan Hill in any expanded role. Maybe he gets six or seven carries throughout the game, and A.J. Dillon is the bell cow, and Aaron Jones spends a lot more time as a receiver in this game. We'll see. We might get some Josiah DeGuara action, too. You split him out a little bit. Use him in the passing game. It's going to be an all-hands-on-deck thing. The Packers don't have a number two wide receiver. And Packers fans, it's okay to admit that. They have Adams, and then they have a bunch of really threes and fours receiving. But they have a good amount of them, right? I like, well, when they're healthy, Lazard, MVS. But even without those guys, there is hay to be made with Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara at tight end. There's hay to be made using Aaron Jones in a big receiving capacity, A.J. Dillon a little bit, then you work in Kylan Hill. There's hay to be made even with Malik Taylor and Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb. I'm excited to see what, you know, Matt LaFleur does and how Aaron Rodgers and him put together a scheme that gets enough targets and gets enough passes to keep pace with his Arizona offense. That's the bummer. If they were playing a team that was uh, a low and slow offense that likes to run the ball and play defense, then this game would be a little bit more manageable. But I would imagine Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur right now are thinking, okay, well, how do we get to 35 points? How do we score 35 points without Devontae Adams, without MVS, and without Al Lazard? I, I think that's the goal. Get to 35 points. If the Packers lose, the, you know, this game and they score 35 points, all right, you you take your helmet and you go home and you play to get healthy and, and you know, keep improving. If you score 35 and you lose, all right, I can live with that. But I think that's the baseline. How do you get above 30 points? And then whatever happens defensively happens. Whatever Arizona does, they do. But I think 35 is the goal. It's a lot of targets. It's a lot of production that they're going to have to. It's a lot of production they're going to have to fill up. Uh, Justin on Twitter says some real sports talk stuff. This will be the Amari Rogers coming out party. I wouldn't. I would enjoy some extended Amari Rogers run. This is the guy they traded up for third round. 
And you've seen the last couple of years, more so than ever before, young wide receivers contributing. Maybe not every week, but here and there, maybe this will be the Amari Rodgers coming out party. It's his week. That would be exciting. I would definitely be intrigued if that were the case. Let's take a break. We're going to get Mike Clements on the horn. This might be his most important conversation on the show ever. We need insight. We need an insider. We need an update on what the heck's going on in Green Bay. So we'll talk to him next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 580 AM. And just try to approach it with a positive mind and a positive attitude and just make the best of whatever situation you encounter. Wisco Sports Show, that's Matt LaFleur. I mean, what else do you expect him to say? Football is that type of sport. Next man up, you keep going, you keep your nose to the grindstone. It's a mad dash through 17 weeks. We've talked about this. It's not baseball. It's not basketball. You just keep going, and that's their MO. They got a quick turnaround Thursday night against the Cardinals, and I know we've been talking X's nose, maybe what they'll do, but we got to know just what's going on. And thank God I've never been so relieved and so happy to have Mike Clemens joining the show because there's just a lot to go over. Mike, busy day, I would imagine, in Green Bay. It's been a busy 48 hours since Ugh. the end of the game, Grant. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I was just, as it was on hold there, you know, I was flashing back to the day I was at the Super Bowl and the commissioner, Roger Goodell, was holding his annual press conference. And you know who was sitting next to me? Andy Rooney from 60 Minutes. Mm-hmm. Remember the old guy that used to do the commentaries at the, old, at the end of 60 Minutes? Mm-hmm. He would come to the Super Bowl every, every year because CBS would get him a pass. He was like in his 90s. And, you know, he's always kind of the grumpy, you know, get off of my lawn kind of guy. And Goodell makes this stunning announcement. Beginning next year, we're going to, besides Monday night football and Sunday night football, we're going to have Thursday night football. And Andy looks at me and says, how are they going to do that? Yeah. How are the players going to get ready for that? And here we are, you know, 10, 15 years later, and Aaron Rodgers even said today, oh, boy, the NFL Loves these Thursday night games. So let's just let me take you through the timeline before we get to today's latest COVID news yeah. out of Green Bay. You just get done beating Washington at home at Lambeau Field in front of 78,000. And then you talk to Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, said, yeah, we got a little bit of time with our families after the game, but then we had to go back to the office. Sorry, did I, I think I lost you for a sec, Mike. What was that? I'm sorry. I think I, lo- I, think I lost you for a sec. Oh, okay. Uh, what I said was Nathaniel Hackett said that yep. after they beat Washington, then they had to go, uh, they got a chance to meet with their families for a little bit, and then they had to go back to the office at 6 o'clock Sunday night to prepare for Thursday night football. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, obviously finished the game and then uh, had an opportunity to go see the family, which is great, see all the kids and uh, and stuff like that and all the coaches and their other their wives and their kids and uh, you know, probably got about a solid hour and a half, two hours with them to enjoy, see the sun a little bit more. And then, uh, yeah, you got to kiss the family goodbye and get back to work. So we all got back in right around 6 o'clock or so and started getting in just like it would be a Monday after the game review. So start watching and preparing for everything as much as we possibly can. Kind of separate and get all your own responsibilities done. That's kind of the most important thing for that. And then uh, today, just keep on grinding slowly get the plan together so i think we're on base or third down or something right now <laughs> just trying to get it all done nathaniel hackett seems like the right type of personality to fight through a short week i 
does he seem like the kind of guy who takes this in stride? He doesn't seem like he's too jaded by it, but then again, he always seems real positive. It's a reminder why a lot of these organizations know the grind that being a coach or offensive coordinator is and why they're tending to put in the smart guys from their late 30s to early 40s as opposed to their 60s mm-hmm. because it is such a grind, yeah. really, to be on top of it. And so then Nathaniel said, but really, how do you, man, you just got done playing a three-hour football game, and that's such a drain. I watched these guys get on the elevator in the press box to, as we all head downstairs down to the locker room, and they are just drained after these football games. Mm-hmm. You know, how much prep can you really do right after a football game like that? I mean, you got no choice. I mean, you got to get the work done. So I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily a time limit on it. It's just you know what you have to do. You've got your checklist. Every coach has a checklist where – uh, so specific on exactly what we do. You just keep checking it off the list. And, you know, once you feel like you got a good time that you can go get some sleep, that's when you head out. So I think everybody doing, you know, being on their own, working a little bit prior to it, uh, as soon as they feel like they're comfortable to be able to speak on what they uh, believe in for this upcoming opponent, that's when they can get on out. So it's just kind of, it's just a grind. Got to embrace it. I mean, we're not used to, I've never coached in the NFL. You know, 99.9% of the people listening never been in the NFL. But I think we can relate to that with our job. Sometimes you just, you work until the work is done. And if that means you play on Thursday night and you got to prep until 2 a.m., then that's what you need to do. Like, right? Sometimes that's just the reality of work, not just in football, you, but in real you, life. You, you've gotten some of my emails, Oh, right? yeah. Well, I was going to bring that up. I, I get your press conferences at 2 a.m. after a game. Sometimes it's just yeah. how life is. Yeah. So... So they work late until Sunday night. Then they wake up, and then, you know, and Joe Barry and all these coaches working in proximity, you know, we're several weeks into the season. We have this standard routine of testing, even those of us in the media that are allowed in that auditorium where, you know, we have to wear a face mask, we get tested for COVID, they take our temperature, we have to put a little tracer thing around our neck. Uh, and so Monday morning, everybody goes through, the coaches go through, the players come through a little bit later. They go, we go through the same tent of media as they're using. It's out there in the, in the players and staff's parking lot. And about an hour or two later, you know, they, they call. They say, hey, whoa, Joe Barry can't go in. He just tested positive. We're sending him home. And then later in the day, you find out Devontae Adams just tested positive. We're sending him home. And then later this after today, we found out Al Lazard. He's tested positive. We're sending him home. So Aaron Rodgers, we just asked a little earlier, and what was your reaction when you found out Devontae probably is not going to be there Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a shock factor for sure when it's Devontae, but we dealt with it last year. Uh, we you know, were maybe slightly more healthy than some of the other teams as far as not having as many cases, but there have been cases here. You know, We've dealt with them, but when I heard 17, I was uh, hoping that, uh, it was going to be one of those false positives for sure. Football, they're wired differently. And I'm sure he's, I'm sure Rodgers was ticked, and I'm sure he was wigged out for a sec, but he got it together. These guys just have to push through injuries and push through conditions like this, and you just keep playing. And that blows me away about football and the mentality they have to have. And there's another thing that came out today. Vance Johnson, the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, the team they're going to face on mm-hmm. Thursday night, says, quote, sometimes it helps them to play an even cleaner game. Aaron Rodgers is not forced to force the ball to Devontae Adams when he's in there. When you have a guy like Adams who's a volume pass catcher, you can kind of trap him into throwing the ball to Adams some. But without Adams, it's going to force Aaron Rodgers to play a true game, and sometimes that's more dangerous to us. And you know about this thing that, you know, since Matt LaFleur's been in Green Bay, when Devontae was out with that turf toe or something else, 
they're six and zero in those games that they played. Yeah. And Randall Cobb, who now will be your lead dog when it comes to wide receivers, here's what here's the depth chart. Okay, if you actually look at the official depth chart, the guy behind Devontae going into Sunday's game against Washington was Equinemia St. Brown, mm-hmm. and then the other guy, you know, behind Lazard is Cobb. So now you're looking at Thursday night; it'll be Cobb. Equinemia St. Brown, the rookie, Amari Rogers, And uh, they did get Malik Taylor back today. He's been out for two weeks with COVID. He's a backup wide receiver and special teams guy. But the other guy they're gonna, they're, they protected on practice squad, and he's already been active, is Jawan Winfrey. You didn't see him much uh, in the preseason because of a knee injury. We saw him in camp, and he really looked sharp. He really uh, That's one reason they, that they didn't have to hang on to Devin Funches. So I think he'll be out there as well. And Randall Cobb was asked about, are you guys aware of this thing that the Packers are 6-0 and without Devontae Adams? Yeah, yeah, we've heard that. Yeah, we've heard 6-0. <laughs> Is that kind of hard to believe, though? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that's testament to, to this team, um, you know, and this, this offense and the way that it goes. Uh, you know, he's a huge piece of it. Um, but you know we have to we have to fill in. Uh, there, there's other guys that have to step up and and make plays in different situations, and um, we have to be able to run the ball and and, and establish that and um, put ourselves in situations to convert on third down and, and get in the red zone and score points. Now I think part of this is matchups too. Like last year they ran the ball against Dallas. They beat Kansas City. You didn't have Patrick Mahomes. I'm talking about 2019 here. And then last year New Orleans with Lazard and Tunyon against an Atlanta defense just isn't very good. But I think part of this, Mike, is that Aaron and Matt LaFleur have to kind of relish the challenge of sitting down and and trying to figure this out, right? Somebody who's competitive is is Aaron Rodgers. Like, part of them has to enjoy this, right? Just trying to figure it out and and doing it under man. Part of of me thinks they got to like it. As a matter of fact, we just talked to LaFleur, and he was asked that directly. Yeah. And he said, yeah, you know, we're here to win. And, I mean, next man up, it doesn't matter whether it's a knee or COVID, or whatever, you know. I mean, everybody on this team, you know, the guys on the practice squad, they're all anxious to get on that field and have their night, you know, and, and a chance to see if they can bump off the undefeated Cardinals. Yeah. Getting back to the COVID question, you know, this is kind of weird to me. It's like, you know, obviously, as we know, if you've known anybody that has tested positive, they start saying, gee, was it that gas handle that I picked up? Was yeah. it the small family gathering I went to, but I could just know this. The day after the Packers beat the Bears, Robert Quinn, their outstanding linebacker, tested positive for COVID, and I'm thinking, you know, if you're one of the Packers offensive linemen and you hit that guy about 15 times, are you saying, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I was just going against that guy yesterday, or you're Aaron Rodgers, I just got sacked by that guy. And, you know, their wide receiver coach in Chicago tested positive, Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Bears, has now tested positive. You know, it just it spreads around like that. So, Matt Lafleur, it's been reported that that Alan Lazard, who's now positive and he won't be able to play, did not get vaccinated. And so Lafleur was asked, you know, when it comes to losing your competitive edge, that players aren't available, do you get frustrated if these guys are vaccinated or not vaccinated? Yeah, certainly. Anytime you don't have your guys, that's that is competitive disadvantage. But uh, as far as you know, listen, everybody's got choices in this in this world, and um, you know, I'm I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit there and criticize people for doing what they believe is right. So, 
um, it is what it is, and we'll make the best of it. Not quite the same approach that Mike Zimmer took in training camp. Two different kind of approaches to, to answering that question. That's all I can it, think about it, when I hear good that. Good recall. Yeah. yeah, good recall that's with funny. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's funny. So defensively, <clears throat> um, it, so if Joe Barry can't have two negatives, you know, or there's a false positive story or something like that, then who's going to call the defensive plays? It'll be Jerry Gray, the secondary coach, who's you know was a player for the Rams in the in the 80s, been in the league 30, 40 years. He's been a defensive coordinator for the Bills. He will be up top, I think, and then he's going to call it down to, uh, um, to Kirk Olivendati, the linebacker coach, and Olivendati will get it into the helmet of Devondre Campbell, who uh, has just been outstanding for them at inside linebacker. Played those six or seven years with the Falcons, then got picked up on the practice squad of of the Cardinals before the Packers signed him. And so we asked him today, hey, what did you learn about your time with perhaps the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now in Kyler Murray? Um, really gifted football player, smart guy, uh, extremely, extremely competitive. Like, you got to realize you're dealing with the guy that's not really used to losing, dating all the way back to high school. I think he never lost a game in high school, um, may have lost a couple games during his time at Oklahoma. So you're just dealing with the winner. He's a winner at heart, and you can see it in the way he plays. Like, he, well, with a player like that, you can't stop him. You have to just contain him and, and try to force him to make mistakes. And I think that's going to be a big part of the game is just really trying to make him uncomfortable. You know, like he, he can, he can make every throw on the field. He can scramble, you know, and that's, that's going to be a huge part of the game is just not allowing him to extend plays and letting his wide receivers get open, you know, which he has a really good group of wide receivers. He has a lot of weapons at his disposal. So I think that's just going to be a huge part of the game, just really containing him. You know, if you can affect the quarterback, you can affect the game. Super competitive. Like I said, a really good football player. It's definitely going to be a challenge for us this Thursday. Running quarterback, short week, road trip out west, not always the greatest combination of factors for the Packers, but I I do think, Mike, that this defense is coming along and they're making progress. They're dealing with injuries, but it seems like, it's getting clearer, and they're figuring out what Joe Barry wants to do, even as they're dealing with injuries. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to hold Arizona in check on Thursday, but I'm feeling better, slowly but surely, about this defense, and I like hearing what Devondre Campbell had to say. That, that should make you feel good. Some good news, as obviously they've been short at, uh, on, at cornerback, mm-hmm. and Rasul Douglas has had some pretty good... He was full participation, so it looks like he'll be okay, uh, healthy enough to play on Thursday night. So getting back to the headline with both Devontae Adams and now wide receiver Alan Lazard, both testing positive for COVID and likely out for the game Thursday night. Um, I, I can just hear somebody saying, well, what about Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been out. Uh, I was on IR with a hamstring. And Lafleur's kind of thrown out there like, oh, you, you never know. He might be ready. But to me, the guy hasn't had a full practice you know, yeah. in pads. And don't you have to test that hamstring in that situation before you suit him up? On Thursday night, so I just don't think that I, I think that's a smokescreen by Green Bay. Well, what about Malik Taylor? He's missed time now, and they're ready to bring him back. It seems like is you think he'll be ready to go? Because he's not going to have a bunch of prep time this week either. Same thing there. Yeah. Same story there. You know, well, because these other guys, like I mentioned, you know, Cobb, EQ, Jawan Winfrey, you know, Amari Rogers, those guys, you know, that they've been in the games, healthy, ready to go. I think that's I think that's who Lafleur is looking at. And don't forget. 
They still line up Aaron Jones as a wide receiver sometimes, too. They did that a couple of years ago when Devontae was out. Do you think we'll see more Kylan Hill? Is that, well, I guess practice this week has been, everything's been virtual, but would you be shocked if we get a little little dose of Kylan Hill? No, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Uh, okay. But I'll tell you what, is, is um, they, you know, the few times that they've had it, I mean, that, that kid is really surprised and impressed uh, yeah. for a late-round pick like that. Um, but right now, you know, they want to keep the ball with uh, Aaron Jones, and they want to make sure that you know AJ Dillon doesn't become, uh, you know, a fumble problem because he, you know, he gave one up again the other day. He's got to work on protecting the football. Yeah, that happened in the Badger game too. A couple too many fumbles for my liking this weekend. Well, I hope, Mike, when we talk on Thursday, we can talk strategy and we can talk details about the game, and we don't have to do any more COVID stories. And for you, because that's got to be no fun as work. I'm sure you'd rather be reporting and and asking and talking about football things as well. Nobody likes this. No, it's not. No, it's, it's a pain. It's Trust me, we're not interested in clickbait or that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, I, you know, that test that I get, I found out it cost 175 bucks. So the NFL is spending a lot of money for tackle football and for a few of us to get in there and tell the story. So, yeah, I'll, I'll check in with you at 530 before the kick. We'll talk about the inactives and the latest strategies of these guys to see if they can – pull off an upset, and knock off the Cardinals Thursday night. Awesome, Mike. Can't wait. Talk to you Thursday. Thanks, Grant. See you. Talk to you soon. Mike Clements, Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mike Clements NFL. Oh, I can't imagine how hard he's having to work right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Asking questions, trying to get to the bottom of these things. Well, and it, it's not like, like I was I was shocked when, Alan Lazard, when the Alan Lazard news came out today. I wasn't expecting that, right, because they're pretty good at, mitigation strategies. I didn't expect this thing to continue to spread and spread and spread. Um, that's the work of these reporters. They got to ask the questions. And they got to be on top of this as this data and this information comes out. So we uh, appreciate Mike big time. Uh, Mike Clemens, NFL on Twitter. Like I said, we'll talk to him again on Thursday for the very latest. It'll be great. It'll be like an hour and a half, just a little under two hours before kickoff. So we'll be prepped and ready to go for Packers Cardinals coming up on Thursday night. Let's take one final break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.